Creatures of the Night, welcome to episode 149 of Talking Tager, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of autism, Dundertaker. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, one of the Creatures of the Night, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, the backseat driver himself, Mr. Travis White. Travis, mm. we are taking this time-traveling hearse all the way back to Hell in a Cell 2009. And all I have to say to you is, buckle up, Travis. <laughs> always. You know... As a child, I hated wearing a seatbelt, but then once I started driving, I can't. You can't. You can't make me not wear a seatbelt, man. It's kind of important. I mean, as a kid, I hated wearing seatbelts. <laughs> my mom was like, "Buckle up!" And then, like, once I started driving, it's like, "Dude, I will not get in the car and not buckle up." Like, I'm definitely gonna buckle up. I don't care if we're riding down the street, like at the end of the driveway. I'm buckling up. <laughs> Same. It's oh. good safety precautions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to yell at my dad because he would not. <laughs> I hated wearing them as a kid. It was awful. But yeah, now it's like, oh, safety first, man. Anyway, buckle up indeed. We're going to go for kind of like just a quick quick trip around the block uh, before we get to Hell in a Cell 2009. And we'll make it there quick and we'll be done quickly as well. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those matches that on paper you got really excited for back in the day. You might have seen this one pop into your podcast feed and maybe you hadn't seen this match before. Or you're going back and revisiting it and... You know, it's uh, it's a bit, a bit like you said, a bit shorter of a drive than you might have hoped for. But uh, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna get to it. We've got uh, an iconic SmackDown moment in the Undertaker's history. One of the funniest, uh, most memorable segments the Undertaker's ever been involved with, uh, been involved in alongside Teddy Long. So I'm excited to get to that here in a little while. Uh, but we're gonna do what we've done here over the past few weeks. Uh, and kick things off with the big news uh, and talk about episode four of The Last Ride, the limited series on the WWE Network. Took a couple of weeks off, but came back for part four. It'll be back for part five next week. Uh, but this week's episode really focused on that Undertaker-Goldberg match uh, and the the tragedy of it and then sort of the rise from the ashes into mm -hmm. that extreme rules tag team match the graveyard dogs uh, against drew mcintyre and shane mcmahon so that sort of evolution and then leaving us on a cliffhanger with the build-up to the big boneyard match that will be the focus of the final episode next week but uh yeah you know, just uh, some initial thoughts, uh, what, first impressions, just uh, what'd you think of episode four, Travis? Man, it was A, good to have it back. Like, it was really good. I missed it the last couple of weeks. Um, I know we can't do it every week. It's only five episodes, but I really, something I really look forward to, you know, each week, just because, again, like we've said, this is the first time you're getting this much access to this character. So I really dug this episode episode it was fun i'm glad he didn't like barry goldberg he was just like man he got a concussion i mean it is what it is and he took he took the well i guess the blame 
for that Saudi Arabia match being kind of awful. He's like, you know, I wasn't there either. Like, like, like my head wasn't there. So, but I thought he was like more funny in this episode to me. He was like making like Jim Halpert faces and like rolling his eyes. And like, you know, just, I thought that was kind of funny to see him. I thought he just, he was really like more, I don't know, not giggly, but like more silly this time than the other three episodes. What about you? That's been one of the coolest parts of this series is to see Mark Calloway's sense of humor, mm-hmm. man. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. you know, we've seen some Undertaker stuff sort of out of character, you know, especially during the biker days, but he's still putting on mm-hmm. that, that aura of the tough guy and, and you know, yeah. the, you know, the American BA or whatever, he's still presenting that even if he's not really doing the dead man stuff. But man, like you said, uh, I, I loved him and Vince. I love, there was so much great taker and Vince mm-hmm. interaction in this when, uh, Vince is like, man, professional would have brought his gear and Taker's like professional would have booked me on the show. <laughs> And Vince had nothing to say. (laughs) He was just like, all right. Exactly. (laughs) You got me there. But man, you could also see how, uh, see how he, he was trying to not make a big deal of it. You could tell how hurt Undertaker was to not be on WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, he tried to downplay it and like, ah, it's fine. But then like the more it got there, the more he was like, you know, having those blues about not being on it. So yeah, it definitely affected him. And then, you know, he talks about how he went after that Saudi match, he was already booked for extreme rules. So he's like, I got to make this one good. So, mm. and then, you know, one interesting thing I thought was, um, you know, I heard that a discussion that was on busted open, uh, actually today, as we record this, um, they were talking about this episode and saying that, um, one of the hosts was, was saying, Taker came back from that match. I mean, it was like, it was perfect and he was great. But then he like tells Vince, I'm done. Yeah. And and then Bully Ray, like, but like Bully Ray was saying, like, there's no way he's done because, well, mm. we know he's not, but like, he's like, because he had that calmness and everything was smooth, you know, he's going to be jonesing for another one, you know? But then the other host was saying, like, well, I thought that's why he was saying he's done is because it did finally go smoothly like you wanted it to. So it was just interesting. And you can, obviously, like I said, we know hindsight, he's not done. So <laughs> he had at least one more match. So I loved a little bit of Paul Bearer interaction on there and mm-hmm. little archive interviews with paul bear uh almost made me a little uh little teary just sad to to see him not there yeah uh, you know not you know he's no longer with us and um but a few behind the scenes clips of some of our favorite things those uh inside the funeral workshop <laughs> there back in the day yeah. and paul bear. The blueprints yeah i love seeing that and then uh my favorite co-star of the episode McConaughey. Rattle, rattle. Yeah, man. That was great. You know, both big Longhorns fans. That was awesome. Lance Armstrong, Undertaker backstage. I mean, come on. Yeah, I didn't care about Lance Armstrong, but uh, McConaughey was great. It was still cool to see that they were fans of the Undertaker. Yeah, I don't care about Lance Armstrong, but McConaughey was cool. I said on Twitter My favorite that... Lance Armstrong moment is dodgeball. Sure. So. This is number two. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> I said on Twitter, I'd love to see those three guys team up in a six-man tag. And uh, yes. I don't remember who posted it, but I said, uh, I don't think uh, they would pass the PED test. So <laughs> get busted yeah. for a wellness well, violation. That's what I'm yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, that's uh, great, man. It was but really yeah, it was enjoyable. Fun stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be sad to see it go. 
uh, next week, but we'll talk about that finale on next week's episode. And, you know, somewhere down the road, we will hit you. Uh, we'll probably do a bonus episode with all five. We'll talk about the, the entire complete picture of the series uh, at some point down the road. But, um, yeah, let's take this time traveling hearse back to 2009 for now and take you back to uh, the SmackDown post-breaking point. Uh, and the controversial ending to that world heavyweight title match where CM Punk had the Montreal screw job part 793 alongside Teddy Long and yeah. made the Undertaker quote unquote tap out, retained his world title, and you just know the crap's about to hit the fan as we head into Hell in a Cell 2009. Yeah, well, this show opens. This is SmackDown September 18th, 09, and you just said, you know, a controversial ending to the World Heavyweight title match. Well, not only is it a controversial ending, mm. according to this opening video, this is the most controversial result in the history of the World Heavyweight title. I mean, so I guess we're, we're going to nix all the WCW history, like the ooh. 49ers coal, mi coal miner <laughs> glove match or whatever that was. <laughs> I don't know all if that was stuff. controversial as much as just sad. But. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> But yeah, allegedly, this is the most controversial result in the history of the World Heavyweight title. So mm. let's get into it. So a limo arrives at the building, and Teddy Long pops out, and he is, you know, a change of pace here. He's got booze. The fans are booing him because yeah. he's, you know, double-cross taker here. So he gets out. He's kind of nervous, and he's got his group of local jobbers slash rent-a-cop security teams. Uh, he's kind of paranoid walking to the backstage here, and he has them escort him through the building. And then we see Massive Tool Josh Matthews interviewing, which I did not know he was still there in 2009. I thought he was gone. <laughs> Somehow he's survived. Yeah, I don't know. He had like a decade of immunity or something. But anyway, he's interviewing Scott Armstrong, which again, and I always think of Scott Armstrong with his brother as a tag team on WCW Saturday Night, just a stalwart on WCW Saturday Night. Absolutely. Love those guys. They had the little like six six shooter pistols on, their back, on the back of their trunks. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> And one day we'll discuss my their brother Brad's my, my favorite match of his, but we'll get to that eventually, maybe on a bonus episode. Anyway, will we? Um, well, they, Josh Matthews is interviewing Scott. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll leave that for the Patreon. The so, Armstrong um, curse. Then, what, you know, why did you do exactly? Why did you do what you did on Sunday? Scott says that you know. Ah, I did what I did. I, I, you know, I've been asking myself that. You know, why I did what I did, and I've been in this business for thirty years and never been asked to do something like that. And but in this life, you—if you don't own the business, you answer to somebody that does own the business. I answer to somebody that's much higher than the position I'm in. I'll just leave it at that. And you know, I was asked to do something I'm not proud of. I, but you know, I got a wife and I got kids, and what I did made me sick to my stomach. But I'm not proud of it. But I made no excuses. I did what I had to do to keep my job. So we'll get to there later on with Teddy's explanation, but like this is very reminiscent of a stupid storyline from the prior year with Shawn Michaels and uh, JBL that we just got done with. Yes. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same it's, thing. <laughs> it is, but it's going to be even worse because it won't even make any sense. So later on, we're going to see Teddy Long in his office pacing around, and he's just telling security to you know, stay with me at all times. You know, stay with me, make sure that I'm safe. And Vince Amanda walks in, which I guess 
they didn't keep his door secure from Vince. He just went <laughs> right in. <laughs> He's the boss. So, yeah. He comes right in and he tells the security to scram because he wants to chat alone with Teddy and the cameraman. Well, I need to talk just Teddy Long here and can't make a stay. So, but um, <laughs> and two million yeah. people watching at home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But first things first, he's like, "Where's my picture on the wall?" What can I do for you, sir? Where's my picture? This is the most important you know, storyline on SmackDown right now. <laughs> yeah, where's Vince's picture? He's dying to know what I saw on the wall. But um, anyway, he's like, you know, yeah, I, I love the ending of Breaking Point, but why'd you double cross the Undertaker? You know, and Teddy starts to kind of explain himself, and Vince cuts him off and's like, you know, all I ask you to do is to entertain those people. I think you owe them an explanation. You know, uh, Teddy tries to kind of argue with him, and Vince is like, no, 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 no just. I think you owe him an explanation, but it better be the right answer. You need to go out there and tell the people. Actually, he calls him the WWE Universe for one of the first times I can recall. I guess mm. this is the air where they're bringing that comment or that right. uh, that phrasing into uh, the lexicon of the WWE. So he says, you know, you go out there and explain yourself to the WWE Universe. Explain your actions. I'm going to stay backstage. And then as Teddy goes to leave, he's like, you know, I wouldn't want to be you. Do you have any idea what the Undertaker is going to do to you? So Teddy kind of scrambles away and heads to the ring because, you know, he's second-guessing himself at this point. So, you know, when Vince McMahon is giving you words of wisdom, that's rough. (laughs) Dude, I'm down for a Vince and Teddy sitcom, man. (laughs) Yes. Folks, if you don't listen all the way to the end of all of our episodes when we're going through all the Twitter comments and, and all that stuff, you know, Surely you do by now, but you know, there's usually a little bonus clip at the end of every episode, some little funny thing that we didn't quite fit into the actual episode, but man, I listened to last week's probably half a dozen times, I just kept rewinding it, this interaction between Vince and Teddy, that's clearly 100% improvised, Vince talking about getting lucky, and his Pepto-Bismol suit, it it was apropos of nothing, and it just made me laugh every time I listened to it. It was great, it was great, and they were awesome, and Teddy was right there with Vince as best as he could, and I would love to see them like now and 20 like 10 years later <laughs> do a show on the network just even like five minute youtube clips or something i just i love it it'd be great so well teddy's gonna come out uh and i guess explain himself he comes out he's got his jabroni security where he's getting booed by the, the crowd and jr does point out he's like you know usually teddy's a fun loving guy but his actions sunday were shocking and we see a recap of that of course because we gotta see recaps. I guess Big Show might be back there playing those replays, like he was <laughs> last his year. New job. <laughs> yeah. Um, Teddy welcomes. First of all, he's gonna welcome Batista back. You know, and he's kind of looking over his shoulder the whole time, like kind of paranoid, and um, wants to welcome Batista back. SmackDown. And he says, "You know, I want to make an admission." And he's getting you suck chance at this point, which is funny to me. Cause we haven't heard that since he's been nah, on SmackDown. You know, we love Teddy. And yeah, we do. But um, he says, "You know, I gotta admit that." All of this was pre-planned. It was pre-planned to prevent The Undertaker from becoming the World Heavyweight Champion. He's not proud of what he did. And he says, I'm not going to say I'm not afraid of Undertaker because I am. I know he might show up here tonight, so I've surrounded myself with security. And then he just goes ahead and throws Scott Armstrong and CM Punk under the bus and says, you know, they were in on it too. I'm not the only one, and I got a family to take care of, and times nowadays are tough, which... Is true. 2009, the economy was kind of tanking, so True. he's not lying there. 
But um, you know, it's 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 a rehash of of last year. So yeah, and it's like it just sucks to hear the same exact story. No, and it's like corporate backstage drama. It, it's making this thing about this weird rivalry between Teddy and Vince more than it is about Undertaker yeah. and CM Punk. And that's why this just kind of like dies, man. Like CM Punk's such a strong character. Yeah. Undertaker's such a strong character. If you just let them do their thing, this could be really interesting. But it's like, well, you don't have to go to this stupid screw job well and Teddy thinking he's going to lose his job. It's just like out of left field. And, uh, you know, we love Teddy. We love Vince. We love Punk. Yeah. We love Taker. But this just is not clicking. No, it's not. And and he goes on. I mean, it's going to even click even less later on. So he says that, you know, he apologizes to the fans and to The Undertaker. And one last thing. I hope that The Undertaker can find in his heart to forgive me. And then he just leaves with his security detail in tow. And I just, I just wrote my notes here like, what is the point? Like, so... His excuse for double-crossing The Undertaker is because he didn't want to lose his job, which I don't recall his job being on the line. I don't no. recall Vince threatening his job. No. He just said, you need to do something. You need to do something big, you know? Bring some excitement. Like, I don't remember that. And then, again, literally in that backstage segment I just talked about before this with Vince, Vince said, all I asked you to do was entertain the people. This just doesn't add up. It's like... They had this finished because they were in Montreal. They're like, oh, we'll just make up the reasoning later. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't like the super, super duper gaps in logic. So, anyway. I agree. Completely but overdone. I can take the next gap in logic. Oh, th- this almost <laughs> yeah. makes up for all of it. Yes, yes. So then we see Teddy and his security walking him backstage to his limo. And he's like, all right, let's get out of here. So he's just leaving halfway to his show. Um <laughs> <laughs> which we already saw last week. He didn't even watch his show because he watches no. The Rise and Fall of WCW. <laughs> so, anyway. But um, <laughs> he gets in his limo, and we see a camera angle from inside the limo, so you know something's going to happen here. So he tells the driver, you know, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Okay, driver, I'm ready to go. Get me out of here. Driver, driver, I'm ready to go. Get me out of here. And then we see a camera angle from Teddy's point of view, and the window between the driver and the back seat rolls down, and Taker's behind the wheel. Driver, I'm ready to go. Get me out of here. Buckle up, Teddy. <laughs> and it's just, it's just got where to Stephanie all over it, man. Exactly. It's great. And, uh,. Yeah, Taker turns his head back to the front. We get some like cinematic presentations. Both limos like filled purple lights and lights flashing. And Teddy is punching the windows, kicking them, screaming, Let me out, let me out. And then his voice is getting all distorted. It's like, Let me out, let me out. And it's just like, it's like a horror movie all of a sudden. It's taking over. And I don't. Yeah, but like I can, I can run through that. I mean, the old gap, the gap in logic from his explanation sucks to me. But this, this has got Taker written on it. I can, I can understand this. Yes, because I have you know nineteen years of history of this character being built up. But it was man, I just 
this is something else. It's so goofy, and if it was anybody but Undertaker, I would tell you this was so stupid and it sucks and it's lame and, and cheesy and yeah. unrealistic, but because it's Undertaker, because like you said, it's a callback to 1999 yeah. and where to Stephanie. And um, it's just Undertaker has a way of selling it and it, and it fits with his character. And so yeah. I'm all in and just laughing at it and enjoying it for the silly bit of entertainment that it is. So, you know, kudos to, to turn in some, Absolutely. turn this into something fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then the straight edge, the only straight edge world champion in WWE history, CM Punk comes out and he's basically like, I told you so. Says, you know, same same kind of song and dances last week we covered. You know, I told you I'd beat Jeff. I did. I told you I'd get rid of Jeff Hardy forever. I did. I told you I'd make Taker tap out to the Anaconda Vice. I did. I didn't come out to brag about being the first and only man to make Taker tap. I came out here to confront The Undertaker. I came out here to confront The Undertaker in my ring or my yard if you will i came out here to stick my world heavyweight championship in his face and look him in the eye and say to him i told you so but of course He's conveniently not here right now. So instead, I think I'll address all of you people. So he talks to the fans and says, you know, I've been preaching because you guys need a leader that's righteous and not self-righteous. And then you guys are going to give up just like the Undertaker did. And then he basically berates him for uh, he calls him a legion of zombies for taking antidepressants and putting on an artificial smile and looking for scapegoats for their inadequacies. And the crowd begins to chant boring here, Adam. So I don't know if they're actually bored, if they're just giving him heel heat, but not good when you get a boring chant. Well, you know, like I said last week, for me at least, these promos, they're a little on the long side for me. Like, I, I dig the character. You know, you and I are both huge CM Punk fans, CM Punk fan from, from day one. But um, I did think at this period of time, kind of it dragged on a little bit uh which is okay i mean for a heel i mean you don't want people to like you so uh mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it i i get where the, where the fans could be coming from especially because they've seen a lot of promo this is promo backstage segment promo like the, the all the tail mm-hmm. stuff yeah. right before this so i could see the crowd getting kind of restless mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I didn't really feel it last week. I know we were talking about, we kind of disagreed about Punk's promo. I didn't really feel like they were too long and long-winded last week when we, what we covered, but this week I definitely kind of felt it. It's because it's the same stuff. Hmm. He's not getting covered any new ground, really. He's covered, he's in the same stuff. But he ends this with saying, you know, I told you so, and if you're not straight edge like me, that just means I'm better than you. So that's that's how this whole storyline wraps up this night. So Yeah, I think, too, just to add to that, I, I think his character really – goes to the next level when he gets the straight edge society and when he starts like converting people yes. and doing that. And this is kind of right before exactly. that, at that. I think that's when he really clicks and connects. But uh, that takes us to the next week, SmackDown 925.09 and another CM Punk promo to open up the show. And uh, <laughs> like you said, it is, it's a lot of the same stuff. He kind of hits all the same beats here, uh, belittling the crowd for their substance abuse and says, oh, you guys probably forgot about all my accomplishments. So he says them all again. He kind of says them week after week. 
Money in the Bank two-time winner, only straight-edge champion, a Made the Undertaker tap out, uh, three-time world heavyweight champion. Um, and, you know, it's all good. He's bragging. He's cocky. He's confident. He's the heel. He thinks Undertaker's not going to be here. And uh, he demands someone in position of power to come out and tell him who he's going to face next because he's defeated the all-powerful Undertaker. And he waits for a second, and he's like, Oh, oh, oh that's right. There isn't anybody left. Nice, smug, arrogant, cocky heel. And as we've seen so often, that's going to bring out the Latin chanting. The lights go out. The purple lights come back on. We see the druids wheeling out a casket through the fog and this ominous smoky lighting. And uh, Punk's getting a little nervous. You know, he's... Yeah, a little hesitant. He, does, he did not expect this to happen. So he goes out and grabs a chair. And he goes over to the casket. He starts whacking the casket with the chair a few times. The crowd starts chanting Undertaker. And Punk finally hesitantly lifts the lid off the casket. And we see Teddy tied up, gagged in the casket. His clothes are ripped to shreds. Uh, but I've got some questions. <laughs> What's been going on, man? <laughs> yeah. Who's been in there with him? What, is, what has happened for the past week? Uh, Punk grabs the mic again and laughs at this. Hey, where is he pooped? <laughs> I think you know where. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, good thing he's wearing dark pants <laughs> <laughs> punk's laughing at this saying oh, i thought this would be someone else and teddy's trying to talk so punk unties him he rolls him into the ring and teddy grabs the mic from punk and then just collapses again onto his back and he he's stuttering here he can barely talk but he says affected immediately there is no longer a ban on The Undertaker's Hell's Gate submission hold. The maneuver is 100% legal. One week from this Sunday, you, you will defend the World Heavyweight Championship against The Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell. And that's not all, Punk. You will also face The Undertaker tonight in a match right here on SmackDown. So, I don't know what Teddy... What happened between Taker and Teddy in their car ride yeah. and <laughs> inside the casket? But clearly, the Undertaker got his point across. Yeah, he obviously made his point. Uh, so he got what he wanted, I guess, and then some. And, and then some. He's getting a match at the pay per view and a match tonight. <laughs> Doubling up. Exactly. <laughs> Well, uh, as you can imagine, CM Punk's pretty upset about that. He's screaming at Teddy Long, and uh, Punk goes to find Mr. McMahon in the back and asks, Yo, are you going to really allow this to happen? And Vince just kind of pats him on the shoulder and's like, Look, Punk, maybe you and Teddy Long and that referee should have thought about the consequences of, uh, of your conspiracy. But, but that was your conspiracy. 
By the way, good luck tonight, champ. So, we haven't really talked about it, but I don't understand why there's two authority figures. Right? Why is Vince hanging out on SmackDown every week? I, just because Teddy took that picture down, I think. <laughs> he saw that, and they had to show up to tell him to put the picture back up. So, I don't know, man. It's like Vince just shows up whenever he feels like it. It makes his story good or something or maybe when the show sucks he shows up so i don't know man it doesn't make any sense but i don't remember if we touched on this earlier but this is the part where i thought like if these guys were in cahoots shouldn't there be some more dissension amongst the ranks here like punk be like like you know we you know because teddy threw him under the bus last week i was sure. like yeah punk and scott were in there too you know so like what did i just don't know i just don't know this is not it's not a clear story it doesn't even develop past this either. So, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot more meat on the bone they could have picked off, and they just chose not to. Yeah, it goes back to what we talked about last or two weeks ago with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and how it just all felt so natural and so much those yeah. guys' real personalities and real history poured into that storyline. And obviously, you know, it's amped up and it's not 100% real, but you could really connect to it. And everything was logical and everything made sense. And, you know, going back to Undertaker and Edge, you know, all of that was fake. Vicky Guerrero and Edge are not really together, but everything clicked. Right. Everything was logical. Every made Everything made sense. And all of this is just thrown at the wall, trying to just goose something up out of this. And it just does not click in the same way. No. But, uh, you know, there is something cool that happens later on on this episode of SmackDown before we get to that main event. And that's that Vince is going to go out to the ring, uh, and he is going to make a big announcement that next week is going to be SmackDown's 10th anniversary celebration. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think they figured out what an anniversary is by this point. I think this actually mm. is an anniversary. <clears throat> yeah, it would be. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be if they called it SmackDown 11. No, that'd be terrible. But yeah, it's the 10th anniversary of SmackDown. Yeah, yeah it's 10. It's actually yeah. 10 years from the first episode of SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like you know, I have my 34th year event or my 34th anniversary of being born this year. You know, so yeah. exactly. Same thing here. It's great. Took them a they few months. They called it SmackDown 11. It yeah. Um, yeah, they got it. Whoever you know, whoever named 25th anniversary of WrestleMania probably got fired. So once Vince realized it, backstage, Dad, it. That's not right. Fire this guy. So. And then Vince realized, oh, it was me. I, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. I'm going to be on SmackDown now. <laughs> That's his punishment. He's going to go hang on with SmackDown. Well, uh, then, this is pretty cool watching it in 2020. He brings out a man that he has personally signed to SmackDown. A man who he believes oh. is going to be a future world champion. And a man who we will talk about as a future Undertaker pay-per-view opponent uh, very late in the game. Drew McIntyre, the current WWE champion. The prophecy fulfilled right here. Really neat moment. Um, uh, very, It's become a much more historic moment in uh, recent months as Drew has come back and has finally reached that pinnacle. But I'll tell you what, man. He sounded and looked like a little kid as he was cutting this promo, don't you think? Yeah, like a little Scottish kid. Very heavy accent. Very heavy. And, yeah, looks like a small child. Uh, does not look like the man that he is today. No. <laughs> <clears throat> so really cool to see how far he's come here. 
Uh, doesn't really play into anything we're talking about on this night, but a historic no. moment. Uh, also historic, this next backstage segment with Vince and Teddy as the drama <laughs> saga of the picture continues. And uh, apparently Vince, man, he doesn't watch the product because he comes into Teddy's office and he's like, why do you look like that? <laughs> didn't see the segment earlier. Didn't see Teddy get abducted last week. Nothing like that. No. Teddy responds and says, I've been to hell and back. And Vince says, well, yeah, you screwed over the Undertaker. What were you thinking? And Teddy tries to argue with him. And Vince is like, I don't care about that. Where's my picture? <laughs> Besides. Where is it? Where's what, sir? Where is what I asked you for last week? Where? Where is my picture? I don't see it. Where is my picture? Oh, oh, oh your picture. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, is my picture? Mr. McMahon, your picture's here. Okay. Good. But, I look forward to it. But see, listen, sir. Sorry, if you, it's not finished yet. And I didn't want to put it up for you to see it until it gets finished. I don't understand that. But... Well, it, it, it didn't have the right frame. Well, that's all right. Let me see it then. I don't care if it has the right frame. I like looking at myself, so don't deny me that privilege. I, I, I know. Okay, let me see it. it. It's not a good idea. I don't care. Let me see my picture and put it up. Thank you, Mr. Long. Thank you. Thank you very much. Teddy turns around and it is in there. And Travis, I had no idea what this meant, but he's got graffiti all over the poster. And it looked like it said... Vinny to the Mac, like it didn't say anything offensive or weird. It just had weird <clears throat> writing on there that didn't make any sense. What, what was this? If, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't this the era that Slam Master J was on SmackDown? A little like yes, uh, uh, you know, kind of thuggish little, you know, I don't know, crime time white protege. guy. Yeah, crime Jesse. time protege type little kid. Yeah, was it? Who was it? Jesse was from it? Uh, Jesse remember. and Festus. Oh, good heavens! Yeah, Slam Master <laughs> J. So I'm pretty sure he's backstage graffiti and things throughout this season. Uh, so I think that's what it was. <clears throat> but still, it doesn't mean anything to the storyline. It just says Vinny to the back. Well, that finally, I, I guess that slightly makes sense. But it's all really stupid. Why is it? <laughs> Why is it no, taking yeah, up all absolutely. this time on my TV? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. At least you explained it to me. But uh, I do think it's funny because Vince <clears throat> is kind of like has no pity for Teddy because he's been there, done that a decade ago. Um, he did the same thing and take her back to his daughter, you know, the wear to Stephanie. So I think it's hilarious that Vince is like, eh, yeah, well, it's what you get because you double cross taker. So. There you go. Tying it all together here uh, yeah. 10 years after the fact, making it all make sense. That's what, you, that's what you're here for, Travis. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> well, this did not make sense to me. We got Undertaker against CM Punk in the main event 13 days after they faced off on one pay-per-view and nine days before they face off on another. So what are we supposed to be paying $35 for? The chain link. Oh, that's right. The stipulation, I guess. Yeah, sure. That's it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I we've, have no idea. We've only got three weeks to fill between these pay-per-views, and they can't come up with something different than the main event world title match. They're just going to throw that on TV in the middle of this three weeks? Right, exactly. <sighs> yeah, they couldn't pick anything else, even a tag match or, like, I don't know. Yeah. 
literally anything. Shelton Benjamin again. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> assumed this was going to be like some sort of gimmick or some sort of angle, but they actually have a legit match. This honestly might be the best of their matches during this period because uh, it's yeah. longer than Breaking Point. Um, it might be longer than Hell in a Cell, or, or it's close to I that same Yeah, yeah. It's the most straight-up wrestling match that they have. And um, Taker gets Punk up and gives him the last ride through the announce table. Or, or he's going to give him the last ride through the announce table. But Punk slips up out of it and gets back into the ring and gets a count-out win. So uh, screwy circumstances, but Punk is now 2-0 and over The Undertaker, technically, as we go into the... Go home show for this Hell in a Cell pay per view and the SmackDown 10th anniversary show. Yeah, SmackDown 10th anniversary, December, or excuse me, December, October 2nd, 2009. And this is funny to me. Like, it's a, it's become apparent to me. Like, they always have timing is funny because they always wind up doing these like anniversary shows like a week before a pay per view or something. Yeah. Or like they'll do like, we're going to switch uh, networks, but it'll be like the week before a pay per view. Or they'll be, uh, I don't know, we're going to go in high def a week before like Royal Rumble or whatever. It's like, it's always like, I don't know. I just feel like the timing could be a little bit better. They could wait one more week or something like, let's wrap up the pay-per-view and then do this stuff afterward. But I don't know. It just seems kind of funny to me. I just noticed it so much since we've been doing this for, you know, we've, we've covered, you know, basically 19 years of WWE history here. So yeah, you're right. Kind of Definitely seems part to of their strategy fall that way. for some reason. <clears throat> yeah, it's weird, but. Anyway, well, the show opens with highlights of the last 10 years, and including a great one that stood out to me, which is the one we covered with Heidenreich uh, backstage with Michael Cole. Oh, so, yeah. Top yeah. moment in SmackDown history. <laughs> Worthy of the opening video. So, But as it should, it the highlight video, it's got some memorable moments, but it does end with uh, Taker coming out of a casket one of those various times and raising his fist to the top of the ramp, and then you hear it over like a, a voiceover saying, rest in peace. So, you know, he's the cornerstone of the show. He has been mm-hmm. since he switched over in 2002. Obviously, again, we talked on that he was the first draft pick in uh, 2002 for Raw, but then he switched over, and he's been the cornerstone since then of this entire brand. So I do think it's apropos that he is the last shot we see in that opening video. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, like you said, it. he's the uh, cornerstone. He's definitely on the SmackDown Mount Rushmore. Uh, guys associated with that show so yeah he's got to be yeah and then we get another another new theme song for Smackdown's 10th anniversary and I I think you wrote your notes too I I can't for the life of me recall ever hearing this song one time (laughs) not once I don't think it lasts long I must not so well you know what's an anniversary party or a celebration or any kind of holiday without the proverbial backstage celebration. You got the party that goes all night long. I mean, it wouldn't be... Yeah, you wouldn't be SmackDown. You're going to eat without that. So, we get a backstage party. Finley's leading everyone in tow. CM Punk comes out and he actually stops Teddy just before he's going to sip his his shot of alcohol. They're going to... I think he's having a shot of whiskey. And uh, as Finley's pouring that shot of whiskey, Cole is in rare form of night and he's like, Vintage Finley! But then, Cole's the best part of this. He's like the worst and the best part at the same time. It's amazing. <laughs> he's a he man just to wear two different hats, and I love it because it's so obnoxious, but it's great. So yeah, he's and he's totally turning his own character up to like eleven here. It's great. So, like I said, t- Teddy goes to take a shot, and Punk 
puts his hand in front of it and stops it. He comes like off camera and as he does that, we got Cole. Vintage Puck. So he's just <laughs> just chiming in, you know. He's like, uh, yeah, he's crazy. But anyway, Punk then um, says, you know, as long as he's the world champion here, uh, it's actually prohibition rules. So, you know, there's no alcohol at all. So he, I guess he gets to, you know, use his special world heavyweight champion powers to enact, you know, prohibition. So I, I didn't, didn't know, know that the was champ. A thing. No, I didn't know the champ was allowed to do that. <laughs> no, apparently so. <laughs> That's mean, news. The buck, the buck stops here, I guess. You yeah. know, so whatever he says goes. So. I can, you know, I see that prohibition rules there. So anyway, well, then Vicky Guerrero comes out and she interrupts Teddy and says, you know, I can't believe that you've lifted the Hell's Gate suspension. Uh, and then she introduces us to her hot new boyfriend, Eric Escobar. Who? It, that's what Teddy says. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing, which is not good for a brand new uh, character. No. The personalities on TV say who? So... Yeah, I don't remember this guy. Uh, I mean, I remember his name. I don't remember how, how did Vicky and are they divorced now? Uh, Vicky and Edge. I know Edge is injured, so I don't know what uh, the storyline gets lost on me. That is a good question, and we're gonna move on from it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so who anyway, cares about Eric Escobar? <laughs> well, at this point, then the reason we're t- discussing this, those of you at home listening or wondering, is because at this point we see we hear Taker's gong in a black gloved hand appears on Teddy's shoulder and then we the camera kind of pans over and we see the person look up from under the brim of the hat and it's Santino Morella and he is just going this is a great costume party (laughs) it's just fantastic what a segment man this is bonkers is nuts, man. It was crazy, and I love that it ended with Santino because we were huge fans of this guy. When he once he just got rid of the Milan miracle and became a comedy character, we loved this guy. Oh my so, god! I would we, honestly I still, say, yeah, he he he's probably legitimately in my top ten favorite WWE performers of all time. Like entertainers, yeah. Like yes, like I, I mean, maybe some people not not their cup of tea, but. This dude made me laugh and entertained me every single time he came yeah. on TV without fail. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We borrowed a lot of his stuff when we did our Young Life skits and youth uh-huh. group stuff. So we ripped off Santino a whole lot. So we owe time. a lot to that. Yeah. It's great. So, but nobody cares. So let's move on. So <laughs> at that point, well, later on, for some reason, uh, Jericho and Big Show interrupt the party later on and we get. Yoshitatsu and Kung Fu Naki are singing karaoke, and it winds up. <laughs> Jericho says that he and Big Show have the most SmackDown longevity of all time, which I agree to disagree because Big Show has not had it. He's literally just left to Raw, and then he Hello? came back. So, yeah, and The Undertaker <laughs> has been there forever. So, Chris Jericho bon- was on Raw most of his time and then left for two he years. left yeah, exactly <laughs> he d- disappeared for two years and big show disappeared for a year and went boxing so yeah, yeah taker never left so anyway and then this leads to michael cole puking on jericho and then big show pukes and then tony atlas laughs and it's just more of bonkers <laughs> stuff i can't believe i'm i'm saying right now it's so crazy but yeah and then The Rock gives us a special announcement via promo, and he's he's doing his usual stuff. It's, Wait, we go from Big Show puking and Tony Atlas to The Rock? 
The Rock's going to give us a special announcement. <laughs> We're going to set the bar really, really low so we can go up from there. there so everything, is. anything Rock does looks amazing. So this was a very well-regarded uh, segment uh, back in the day, I remember. But honestly, whenever we watched it here, it was just like Rock was trying way too hard to be mm. The Rock again. But, I mean, again, that's just me looking at it through some jaded eyes, I guess. But back then, I, pro- I probably would have been excited to to see it but anyway he talks about how the champion now he was champ 10 years ago when smackdown debuted and now it's just some guy named cm punk and you always sit down when you use a toilet you should be called bm punk for bowel movement which is what everyone wants to do when you open your mouth <laughs> which is like dude that's so on the nose like you don't have to explain it just say bm punk like just let it go that's like, something your like three-year-old would say <laughs> yeah yeah but like the saying is being punk, get it because like bowel movement because that's what we want to do when you open. Like I just was like, dude, just let it go with being punk. So you got to know when to stop the dad jokes and then when to like push them too far. Mm-hmm. So, but The Rock says, you know, I haven't faced CM Punk yet, uh, but I have faced Taker, which is funny because about three and a half years he will face Punk. So, true, true. Um, I've whooped Taker all over the world and oh wait 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 wait. The Rock and the Undertaker have history. We've made history. All around the world we made history. Sold out arenas all around the world. The Rock was whooping the Undertaker's ass all around the world. And, okay, well, I didn't, no, not technically. I didn't whip the Undertaker's ass. No. Okay, okay, it was just one time. One time I won, but it was just by disqualification. No, you know what? Guys, let's just edit. Let's edit. What do you mean, why? I'll tell you Why? Because the Undertaker is six foot ten and he weighs three hundred and fifty pounds. That's why, and I don't want to get tombstone. So take it out. Then he brings a director on stage and makes fun of his chest hair somehow. And then The Rock says it's Sunday, Hell in the Cell. There's going to be a brand new world heavyweight champion. So he's given the honors to uh, Undertaker here. Thinks he's going to win this match against BM Punk. So it's never too bad when the Great One puts you over on TV. Yeah, it gives him that little rug, rub, uh, not no, rug. Or a little rug. rug. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was a small rug on the director's chest. <laughs> that, that chest. That's what he gave him. Well, uh, kudos to The Rock for showing up, though, even though it's just yeah. by video. You know, 2009, I can't quite remember what he'd be shooting or what movie he'd be in. You know, it was before he mm-hmm. was in all the... It was before he was like the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. he was still uh, pretty big time at this point. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's cool to see him show up for the tenth anniversary Absolutely. of the show that he's named after or, or was named after him. I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, absolutely. No, no doubt. Absolutely. It was funny. I just to me like the BM Punk thing I was like, come on, man, this is trying oh, yeah. too hard. But no, definitely trying too hard for sure. And you saw more of that in two thousand eleven and twelve when he came back for for you know for good, which didn't last but two years but anyway um then we're going to see highlights of the most controversial ending in world heavyweight championship history and the last two weeks basically the video package we're going to see at hell in a cell so and then the undertaker he's here to give his 10th anniversary message backstage so we got to you know kind of see his uh, him standing backstage he's in the purple lights and smoke and he says cm punk you're about to enter the domain of the undertaker the domain of eternal suffering a place where there's no forgiveness, only vengeance. I will reclaim the World Heavyweight Championship. And in the process, I will knock you from the black horse of self-righteousness. And the pills and alcohol, the drugs that you so despise, you soon will crave. Welcome to Hell's Playground, 
Welcome to Satan's structure. Welcome to hell in a cell. So, yeah, not really much of an anniversary's <laughs> message or happy birthday SmackDown. More of a you're gonna burn. Yeah, so. it's listed on the network as Undertaker's 10th anniversary message, and yeah. <laughs> it's just a promo on CM Punk. So exactly. I just, I just think that's funny. Yeah, it's 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 great. But um, you know, he's putting his last two cents in there before we go into the pay per view, and uh, I like that he says he's going to knock him in the black horse of self righteousness. That was pretty. That's a good line. Pretty neat there. Yeah, it's great. So, <laughs> well, then we get you know every time we have an anniversary or we change brands or change uh, networks, we have to have a big old you know multi man tag main event. Basically, this is the biggest eight man match in SmackDown history. Allegedly, it's Shawn Michaels. And Triple H and John Cena and The Undertaker. So that really, those really are four of the biggest names ever in wrestling. True. Um, yeah. On one I mean, side really. of the ring. Yeah. I mean, seriously, only add Austin and Rock, and that's you know, seriously, add Austin and Rock on that side, and that's you know, your 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 top uh, what six guys ever. Basically, yeah, you could make that case year. for sure. Yeah. And then on the other side, we're going to get Legacy, all three members. You know, Randy Orton. Ted Diabetes, and, I mean Ted DiBiase and Cody Rhodes, and BM Punk is going to be their tag team partner. So, um, wait, wait, did, wait, wait. I, I thought I thought Superstars was the only program where you could see wrestlers from all three brands competing. That is true, my friend. Until we need the narrative to change, oh, okay, we just change you. the rules, <laughs> kind of like Hell's Gate being uh, banned and then not banned, okay. and then yeah, exactly. Thanks so, for clarifying right. that. Yeah, well, before, by all means, get with the program, man. Get with the Red WWE logic. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't Legacy the ones that screwed Punk out of his title last year? Uh, that is a good point. Yep. And yep. now he's tagging with them like it's nobody's business. And then a year and a half from now, they're going to bring that storyline back up when he faces Randy Orton. If well, Mania. I mean, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker just fought at WrestleMania. Too, that is true. So. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone's Very letting true. their guards down here for the SmackDown anniversary. They're just letting bygones yeah. be bygones here. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. There's literally ten minutes of entrances, but this is a fun main event. It's a fun one. It's one of those they do these so well. You know, they do these so get all your totally. big stars in the main event, eight man match, six man match, whatever. They, you know, it's done right when 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 they do them when they do them right. They really excel, and nobody does these matches better than them. So um, near the end of the match, uh, Taker gets a tag, and Punk cowers out of the ring and tags in Orton. Taker gets all his moves of doom to Orton, and he's a house of fire. And then we get all the stacking the finishers. Everybody hits a finisher on mm -hmm. each other. Cena winds up uh, hitting the uh, attitude adjustment on Punk over the top rope on the Legacy. Orton winds up in the middle of, between all four good guys. Uh, kind of, you know, not sure what to do. Taker winds up hitting him with Tombstone and pinning him. So, big win over Randy Orton right there, actually. So, because he's going in to face John Cena on Sunday. Right. Yeah. So, um, then Taker immediately eyes CM Punk with intensity as he's like cowering up in the aisle, Punk is. And Taker, DX, and Cena pose in the ring as confetti falls and all their music plays in succession. Like it goes from Taker's and it goes to Cena's and it goes to DX and goes back to Taker. So <laughs> he does a Shakespeare pose and it's really a house show match. I mean, honestly, but it's, it's fun. It's really good. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. And again, it just points back to Undertaker being the guy, being the yeah. main guy of SmackDown. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like you said, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, John Cena, three of the top stars of all time. 
you know, mm-hmm. not just of this era. You can make a no. case for all three of those guys, all timers. Who do they defer to? Who do they let yep. pose at the end? Who is the main guy of SmackDown? It's the Undertaker. So that tells and you I, something. And I tell you what, man, when his 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 music first hits when he, the match ends, and then it switches to Cena's, and I'm watching, I'm like, no way, they did not just do that. Mm-hmm. Well, then I was like, okay, and it switches to DX, and I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here. And I was like, dude, those are all raw guys. But then when it goes back to Taker, I was like, ah, okay, yep. I'm good. I'm good with that. So, but I was honestly, I was a little ticked when it went to Cena's music right there. I, I thought the same Taker's. thing. I thought the same yeah. thing. Yep. But you're right. They brought it back around to him. He is. He is SmackDown. So. He's about to lay the smack it down in Hell in a Cell. Let's get to that show. He is. Um, I just want to point out, too, they, uh, on this episode, they showed some clips from the SmackDown Top 100 Moments DVD oh, that yeah. they released for the 10th anniversary. I just thought it was interesting because um, before the match, they showed Undertaker giving the tombstone to Vicky Guerrero from September of 2008, and that was ranked as the number 32 moment in SmackDown history. So uh, I went back and looked up the DVD uh, just uh, to see if there were any other Undertaker moments on there. Uh, Number 23 was Undertaker and Batista in the steel cage uh, with Edge cashing in money in the bank. So that Mm, whole angle, definitely a top moment. Uh, Number 40 was Kurt Angle versus Undertaker from July 2002. And uh, we definitely talked about how great some of their TV matches were during that era. And then number 96 was Orton versus Undertaker from September 05. So uh, okay. I don't know if that was a specific angle or just a really good match or something, but uh, he's got, I guess, four uh, moments specifically about him that are in that top 100, which seems a little light to me. Seems like they could have come up with more than that. Yeah, really. I mean, they could have done a lot more than that. Like the, what, dude, the, um, the Buried Lab match. Was should be on there. Uh, the, it is. It it says it's listed on there just as Big Show tossing mankind, mankind yeah. in there. But yeah, that type of right. thing does have Undertaker in it, right? Okay, yeah. But you know, and the number one when number one SmackDown moment is is got to be what it is, right? I mean, it's the it's the post the nine eleven SmackDown, right? Right. Yeah, that's the number one. And that's definitely, in my opinion, my favorite SmackDown memory. Sure. Probably it's just. That and the number well, was number two the cell the uh, the ring breaking. Do you know? Um, I don't remember, but it's definitely in the top. It's top probably five. top. Yeah, three, yeah. Five. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to mention is. those. Yeah, I thought it was kind of neat how Taker was in uh, some of those. But yeah, I agree with you. He should have been in definitely more of them. He's been in. He's been there forever. So. Oh yeah, we've been talking about him since day one on there. But um, that, like you said, that takes us to Hell in a Cell, two thousand nine. So the second brand new pay-per-view concept in a row that we're covering on here. And this is kind of cool that this pay-per-view actually is still going 10 years later. So it's kind of become an institution uh, without even realizing it. I think a lot of people just forget that they've been doing a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view for uh, 10 years now. But uh, I don't know if they're going to do it this year, man. I don't know if they can do Hell in a Cell inside the Performance Center. (laughs) Uh, they'll probably shoot it like a cinematic style or whatever. We'll see. True. But I guess they can. Uh, they could do one on top of the uh, <laughs> thing <laughs> oh like Money God. in the Bank was <laughs> and just throw some money off of it. Oh, That'd be no. great. That'd be great. But yeah, man, this is uh, – it's funny. Like you said, like Breaking Point was one and done. But like mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell is still going, you know? So it's pretty cool. And we talked about those championships. Scramble, I know it wasn't championship scramble pay-per-view. I think it was not a champions or something. But, um, you know, that – 
idea only lasted, you know, they only did it one more time after that. So, you know, like I said, it is an institution in October. I think, I think maybe two years ago, maybe 2018, they did Hell in a Cell in September, but every other pay-per-view for Hell in a Cell is always in October. So, you know, it goes with the Halloween-ish theme and stuff. And, you know, we'll talk more about the Cell match itself later on, but, you know, uh, well, yeah, I'll leave my comments for later, but uh, we're going to, this is October 4, 2009 from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. So, um, yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, um, you or I did not watch this one live. No. Uh, we were, like we said, uh, alluded to before, we were living in different states at this point. And uh, I do remember, I have seen this show. Um, I probably saw it on WWE 24-7, the on-demand mm. channel. Uh, you know, They would put the pay-per-views on there three or four months later. Um, so I was subscribing to that during this time. Because I do remember this match and, and the other Hell in a Cell matches. So I definitely have seen it in the past, although I wasn't watching it live. Um so, yeah, I've seen the three cell matches. I think just okay. maybe on the Hell in a Cell DVD or something because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had an opportunity to have rented this. Like I said, I was already uh, married here, and I don't know if I had a video store near me I could rent this for. <laughs> but um, anyway, I do remember seeing these maybe on a Hell in a Cell DVD or something. But um, yeah, anyway, it's it. Other than that, it's a throwaway show, honestly. Yeah, which is a shame. You know, the Hell in a Cell maybe the most iconic match in WWE history and something that undertaker put on the map and established Mm -hmm. and made into the uh, icon that it is and i totally get why they would want to make a pay-per-view of that because it's such an iconic thing but it's just never really been the same ever since they have done this pay-per-view concept because it's you know, no matter how hard they try, it just always feels forced when it's just sitting there on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is, man. You just you know that it's whatever feud's happening is going to culminate, and it's not organic. The other Hell in the Cells in the past were all mm-hmm. this is the way we have to finish the story. You know, is nobody's getting in, nobody's getting out, nobody's interfering. We're going to settle this in a brutal match, but this is all just like, oh, it's October, it's time for Hell in the Cell. So. And that'll continue as we get into TLC, and we're going to get into Illumination Chamber, and we're going to get into Money in the Bank. I mean, it's just a stable. I understand the branding of pay-per-view, so it's something to look forward to. But when you're, when the goal of your company is to tell stories, I don't know. It's just it's just hard to, to, to tell a story when you have this thing you have to do during this part of the story. You can't pivot, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. You can... You can kind of make it work sometimes better than others, but other times it's just like, do we do we need Hell in a Cell for DX and Legacy? Does that really deserve right. to be inside a cell? Barely deserves main event spot, so <laughs> I didn't know. So. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, this is the second pay-per-view this year that Undertaker is going to open up. So I don't know that that's ever happened. No. No, certainly not. Yeah. So yeah, he's gonna be in the opening show, but or the opening match. But dude, did you did this opening video? This that Skillet's monster with it, which my kids love that song. By the way, your kids um, they love watch, that song. My, they watch other videos with like that song. I was like, what is this song? I was like, oh, that's Skillet. It's it's fine. There's some Pokemon video that Carson oh, okay. watches, and it's got like Pokemon fighting or something, but it's got this song behind it. They love this song. But anyway, I've dude, got it's some Skillet of, on my workout playlist. I've only ever heard Monster, so. Um, but I did sound like Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars opening this thing. Man. It was so like over the top, man. It might have been. Just... Hell in a 
It was so I don't even remember the words he said. I couldn't write them down, but it was just it was so Emperor Palpatine ish, man. It's crazy. So does this count as a Star Wars prequel? Absolutely. Okay, good. Without question. <laughs> yeah. This on Disney Plus now, so it's it's Oh counts. I didn't know that. I didn't know it got uploaded yeah. there. Yeah, nice. yeah, just the opening <laughs> video from Hell in the Cell oh, no. <laughs> well, the uh, the announcers we got Todd Grisham, Tool Grisham, excuse me, uh, Jr. on commentary, and like you said, yeah, Undertaker opening up the pay per view just like he did at Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Uh, although CM Punk's going to come out first here, Undertaker's at least going to get second entrance, and uh, we true. know why that he's going to do that inside Hell in a Cell. Uh, but Jr. that he notes on commentary that the world title has never changed hands inside Hell in a Cell, which I didn't realize that. But uh, interesting fact going into this. I didn't realize that either. I guess maybe it's because it's uh, kind of the afterthought title. Usually the WWE title is number one. They were they were reserved that for Hell in a Cell. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's just an in- interesting fact. And Jr. does his homework, and I'm glad he pointed that out because I wouldn't have come up with that on my own. So. No, I wouldn't have either. Yeah, and then we're going to get that ominous music as the cell's going to lower that do-do-do-do. Same stuff that plays, yeah. Yeah, same stuff that plays every time. And then, like I said, CM Punk comes out first, and uh, Tool Grisham points out how Punk has never been in a Hell in a Cell, while Taker's been in nine at this point. So, yeah. (laughs) That means we've covered nine Hell in a Cell. That's crazy. Slight advantage to Undertaker here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Punk has two wins over Undertaker. Um, yep. And JR points that out and says, you know, they've been a little questionable, but if Punk can win tonight, then it will establish him as an all-time great. There you go. Yeah. Perfect analysis there. And, again, I pointed this out last week when CM Punk, and he gets on the top rope to do his little entrance, and uh, he just goes, this place sucks. <laughs> so I didn't remember him doing this at this point because he still does it. It's clobbering time when he comes out, but I don't remember this place sucks being like his go-to, but it apparently was. So yeah, I love it. It's a fun it's heel hilarious. thing for him to yeah. do. He's yeah, it's hilarious. Confident, calm in the ring as he waits to, for the Undertaker and the gong hits. And, you know, we talked about Undertaker having that sleeveless robe uh, on last week's show. Uh, he's back yeah. to the traditional trench coat. He's got the hat back on tonight. And, you know, it's not one of his most epic entrances. This, uh, the, the, the Hell in a Cell takes up a lot of real estate. So there's not a lot of entryway yeah. for him to come out. And it's not a, not a, really cool unique set or anything like that but of course undertaker does disrobe outside the cell and gets that traditional slamming of the door on his way in oh yeah and the crowd pops big for that newark loved that so yeah what's up with him going back to the old outfit again i mean he only he was in that sleepless one for like a cup of coffee i don't know but i don't know i don't I, know what to must not have fit him right i don't know yeah <laughs> maybe I don't his know, arms man. are cold yeah, maybe it is October here, right? So in New Jersey, so he's got some new pants. So got a different design, kind of with like a, almost like an I was gonna say angel wings, but they're almost like demonic, like uh, dragon or something kind of wings on them. So pretty cool there. Dude, but I he, loved them. It's like a yeah. gargoyle on there. Gargoyle, or something. that's good. Yeah, um, really, yeah. really cool. But did you did you notice his little wedgie he had too? Oh, absolutely. 
yeah, he was his butt was hungry, man. So he's got a little bit of white under trunks coming out from the bottom for the entire yeah. match, man. Like I felt so bad for him. <laughs> oh yeah, somebody didn't you know didn't fit him right backstage or something. Oh, I don't know. Man. But, I don't know, but. He's going to raise the lights, and we see Punk on the outside, just like he was last week. You know, he jumped on the outside, and this week he's he's in the outside of the cell taking it in, and has Taker's in there. And Justin Roberts is going to give us the championship introductions like we've kind of become used to now at this point. And, and a really cool heel move, like he introduces Punk, and Punk takes his shirt off and just throws it at Taker's face, which I thought was just like pretty gutsy, honestly. Yeah, but I'm sure he got approval for that. But um. That's pretty gutsy move, uh, character-wise and in real life. So. <laughs> yeah, I hope he didn't do that on the fly. Cause <laughs> right. I don't think. That's one of those things you want to run by the boss. <laughs> I would say so, for sure. The boss being Taker. <laughs> but it's great because he's showing all that confidence here. And mm-hmm. then as soon as the bell rings... Undertaker runs after Punk, and Punk just dips out. He ducks out of the ring and goes and hides behind uh, the ring steps, man. Yeah, it's great, man. I love it. It's it's so perfect heel stuff, like we talked about last week. He's just he's got control of this character. Um, and then they go back in the ring and slide back out, and Taker slams Punk into the cell, and then Irish whips him into the cell, and then slams him face first into the cell again, and then starts headbutting him and punching him on the outside, and then kind of just goes and slams Punk into the cell over and over again, and then rolls him into the ring. So really. When you're the match opening up the card and you know you got two more Hell in the Cells coming later, you really can't uh, – you, you got to get the ball rolling here pretty quickly, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You can't do a bunch of chain wrestling, mat wrestling, and then go outside. You got to just go on out there and get the ball rolling. So they use that chain link as a weapon immediately. Well, you just described the ultimate problem with this match, man. Yes. Is it is first on the card of a three Hell in a Cell match card and Mm -hmm. it's never happened before where they've ever had two hell in a cell matches on a card right much less three so yeah you've got to save some stuff from later in the card you can't go none of these matches can go balls to the wall none of them Mm -mm. can go all out plus we're in 2009 where blood was pretty much off the table i don't know if it Mm -hmm. was officially out yet but it was definitely it was it was low key out the door uh, at this yep. point. So he, you're really limited on all your tricks that you can use here. Yeah, you're very handicapped going into this. You know that's what I'm saying. They just they had to make this one different and just go straight outside immediately. You know, so really using the the cell as a weapon here. But again, like you said, they're kind of hamstrung because you can't you can't get a bunch of juice, a bunch of blood in the first match. You know, right up opening up the card. So I don't know. It is what it is. They're very limited. I feel bad for them, but we'll discuss as we finish up the match here. But in a cool little move here, Punk goes under the ring. Uh, he's out of the ring. He rolls underneath it, and Taker tries to get him, and Punk comes up on like the adjacent side and kicks his steps and Taker's knee, which I thought was just like a genius spot. Yeah, I loved I it. I did too. I had never seen that before. No, me neither. How have we not seen I mean, surely somebody's done that, but we. I mean, we, to see something new in wrestling ever – is very rare, so I really love this spot. 
very creative move here and something else rare that doesn't often happen in Undertaker matches. As Punk starts working over the legs, we hear dueling chants. Yeah. So we're hearing Undertaker, CM Punk. CM Punk. And that's pretty unusual because Punk's been a heel for a good few months now. And uh, yeah, I, I was shocked to hear that because you don't often hear that in Undertaker matches. No, I just wrote wow in my notes too because I was just like, wow. Like, I did not did not expect to hear that. We heard that at Mania, but that's Shawn Michaels, you know, and they were both yeah, good guys. Yeah. And But yeah, this is very rare ground here treading on. So I was blown away that he was getting – because he's such a – I mean, he, he berates the fans all the time with the same promo every week. <laughs> so I don't know, man. But anyway, getting back to the actual match, Taker kicks Punk in the cell, then they go and both get on the apron, and Punk gets a running kick on the apron to Taker and then goes for a bulldog on the – like on the apron, which would have been pretty cool, but Taker just yaks him off, just shoves him into the cell, <laughs> uh, just lawn darts him. That's was pretty, pretty, pretty cool spot there, showing his strength, the power game. Oh, absolutely! And Undertaker, meanwhile, also is really selling that leg mm-hmm. from that drop kick that Punk gave him into the stairs, and uh, he still goes for the apron leg drop, but Punk gets up and he drop kicks. Taker off the apron that he's standing on into the cell, and then Punk yeah. runs to the side of the ring and runs through, hits a dive through the ropes into Taker into the cell. So he's he's trying to go all out, trying to do whatever he can uh, to get Taker down. Uh, but it takes a lot out of Punk too. He's he's selling it because he runs into the cage pretty hard from that as well. Yeah, they're both. Doing, I mean, for just a quick match we're going to have here, they're both doing a really good job selling. And Punk rolls Taker in the ring and starts punching the knee again. And they kind of, at this point, they're both on their knees mm-hmm. in the middle of the ring. And they're trading to doing the Yabu spot, basically. But it's on their knees, which, again, is another just a slight change to a, a classic spot that makes it a little different. And I kind of liked it. Yeah, I did, too. It was a nice little twist on it. Uh, they get back up to their feet. And Taker's dishing out some soup bones, not soup bowls. And uh, (laughs) he goes for snake eyes, but Punk blocks it. But uh, Taker recovers, comes back out of the corner, hits a big boot, leg drop. Um, He's still selling the leg a lot, uh, but but he signals for the choke slam, and Punk capitalizes. He kicks Undertaker's leg right out of his leg, uh, goes for the GTS. Taker counters that, goes for a tombstone. Punk counters out of that. Kicks Undertaker down again. So um, they're doing some fun stuff here, man. It's just mm-hmm. all happening really fast. So fast. There's no room to breathe. There's no room to let stuff breathe here. Yeah, it, and again, it feels like a TV fault. main event. Yeah, it really does. Usually on a pay-per-view, you have more time to tell your story and you get more selling in and stuff like that. But yeah, like you said, TV main event is a really good way to put it. It's like they're going on at 10.50 or like 9.50 mm-hmm. and the show goes off at 10, you know? So... Taker motions for the, um, I'm sorry, Punk slides out of the ring at this point and grabs a chair underneath the ring. So he's going to get in the ring and nail Taker in the head with it, And which, again, I forgot they were still doing headshots at this point. So yeah. uh, I thought that was gone. But um, he covers him in the middle of the ring for a two count, and then Punk gets the running knee in the corner. But Taker's going to actually catch him and hit a last ride out of the corner on CM Punk. Yeah, nice move here. Gets a two count only, however, but the crowd bites on it. Yeah. Um, Undertaker goes up top for old school, but his legs are a little wobbly, and Punk's able to pull him down, 
kicks his leg out again, gets a two count, and does my favorite move ever and goes for mm-hmm. another cover immediately after that first two count. But as it does every single time, it still only gets two. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I've though. never seen so it excited. actually work, but I love no. it. No, <laughs> I was so excited to see him do it, though, man. So, yeah, it was just right out of that Ric Flair uh, workbook, you know, so, um, Taker staggers up in the corner and Punk's got a steel chair in the opposite corner. He's gone and got that chair again. And he runs at Taker to hit him, but Taker's going to put his boot up and boot that chair right into Punk's face. And then Taker's going to capitalize on this and hit a choke slam on CM Punk. Choke slam, throat slash, tombstone, classic cover, and then Taker wins the match. <laughs> what? I feel like we just started talking about it. I know. 10 minutes, 24 seconds right here. And, you know, he won that breaking point match really quick. But this one's fair and square. 10 minutes, 24 seconds. Undertaker wins the World Heavyweight Championship. And he wins a world title for the seventh and, sadly, final time here. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. You pointed that out in your notes, or maybe you texted to me later, I think, actually, after we were, uh, had, had sent each other our notes, and I didn't even realize this was his last title win. So so he's the first guy to ever win the world title in the Hell in a Cell, and he won his last one ever in the Hell in a Cell. That's pretty cool, man. It pretty cool pretty stat. Cool. His legacy really tied up in this Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Um, he sells on the ground, and, and uh, you can actually see him fix his wedgie a little bit as he's yep. on the ground. You see his reach his hand behind there and fix his trucks as uh, the ref hands him the world title. He does his Shakespeare pose, and, I mean, the show moves on, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Man. This would be really, really cool if it was actually closing the show. Um, uh, yeah, man, what do you think of this? Well, it- the the announcers here are trying to put how Punk almost had that match won on multiple occasions, but I just to me it was a foregone conclusion that Taker was going to win this. You know, like going into it, um, it's pretty definitive win. You know, oh, I know yeah. that Punk's a heel, but um, I feel like his title run just kind of came to a screeching halt. Like he didn't really get to have this feud with Taker go. That felt like there was a lot more room to breathe with it but the match was fine for like a tv match but you know i guess starting off this hell in a cell some new pay-per-view it's a hell in a cell they get people got a title win a title change at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. so that's kind of exciting you know as far as booking wise but um i don't know if this is taker and they wouldn't have known this is his last title win ever but it's a little underwhelming as far as like pomp and circumstance for my take does that make sense oh yeah yeah, yeah like you said we we didn't know at the time it would be his last one but yeah it's just kind of yeah, it's disappointing. It didn't happen at a WrestleMania or something like that. And yeah, yeah, you know, this match, it's hurt by where it is on the card. It's hurt by having two other cell matches on there. Like, I just felt like if you put these guys in a main event with 30 minutes, with all the Hell in a Cell bells and whistles you could do, uh, let them get a little bit of color tables you know what you know chairs whatever you could do man these guys at this time could have had a banger like all time it is just it's really disappointing yeah i mean we'll see in a few years punk and taker at mania i mean i love that match imagine that within the confines of a cell Mm -hmm. too you know like they really could have they could have owned this pay-per-view and made it their night you know but they just the booking wasn't there for it to be that you know and i 
I understand that, you know, everybody has their part to play, and they did a good job for what they did, but I don't know. I just, it's Taker, man. I just wish she got, wish she got to close the show. But he can't, can't close every show, but yeah. that's what it is. It's, uh, it's, it's a good last few minutes. Uh, uh, like, once they start going for the finishes, it was fun, but... You know, we talk a lot of times on here, or I, or I do at least, say, man, I wish that match was five minutes shorter or ten minutes shorter. I wish this one was ten to fifteen minutes longer. Yeah, absolutely. I think the re- thing we're, we're so accustomed to, especially with a WWE-style match and a title match, you're used to big near falls mm-hmm. and a big false finish, you know, that yeah. really gets you you're going. And this one just really didn't. I mean, the, the last ride was honestly the only – False finish than anybody bid on. That's one. You used to having three or four of those in the in a story in in a, in a match, you know. And yep. they did a they did a good they did the best job they could have with what they were given. I'll say that much. But really short match, one of the shortest selling the cells ever. Um, yeah. And I just didn't I just didn't think they got to utilize the cell as part of the story very much. But it's you know it is what it is. It's not bad. It's just not what it could have been. Yep. Exactly. Um, put in a tough situation. They did what they could with it. Um, and ho- thankfully, they are going to get to have uh, a pretty classic match here at WrestleMania <sighs> in a few years after match. these two disappointing ones. But like I said, a bittersweet milestone for us as we reach Undertaker's last title win of his career. Just shows you how far we've come here over 149 episodes and you know, stranger things have happened. He he could win another one in the future. Uh, I'd say it's pretty highly unlikely, but you know, his career is not officially done yet, so who knows? But sure. Just to put it in historical context, uh, this was his seventh win, and that puts Undertaker seventh all time in WWE World Titles, and so that leaves him in the rankings behind Brock Lesnar, The Rock. Edge, Triple H, Randy Orton, and John Cena. Those are the six guys in that order ahead of him. Yeah. Um, At this time, in 2009, he would have actually gone into fifth place and been tied with The Rock. But like you were talking about The Rock earlier, he's going to come back in a few years and win his eighth world title. So that puts him ahead. And then Brock Lesnar comes back in a few years and wins a whole bunch of world titles. So that puts him ahead of Taker. So... He's sitting there at seventh, and I mean, I would imagine he'll probably drop down a few more numbers in the years to come. Um, figure Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins will probably add a few more mm-hmm. titles. Shoot, Daniel Bryan might too. He's got I, five or six already. I was going to ask you who else you thought might be in there. I, I thought Daniel Bryan maybe he's got he's at five, but. Uh, I don't know. Time could be running out for him. I, I, I don't know how long he wants to stay in the business, but um, he yeah. could definitely get there. Uh, only other person I could think of besides those guys was Bray Wyatt, maybe. like I feel like he's going to be around for a while, probably winning titles, but I couldn't really think of anybody else who's who's going to come close. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I think Roman and Seth is pretty good. Um, I'd love if Kevin Owens would, but I just don't think they have that in the cards for him anymore. I know. But, um, he's only had the one. Ah, uh, you know, and it was gifted to him basically. So and Balor too. He's only had the one for a day. For a day, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right, man. Roman and well, who knows? Drew might could at this point. Drew McIntyre might could have four or five. Uh, yeah. His name. It'd I don't be, know if he's gonna have seven. It'd be tough but, for him to get up to seven, but maybe. Yeah, but yeah, I think Roman is your best bet. So he's got what three or four already, five maybe. 
I think so. yeah, he's got either three, yeah three or four, maybe five. I can't remember. Seth so. is that the same? Yeah, they'll they'll be up there, maybe competing with Taker for the seventh spot. So. Figure they will, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Maybe somebody we haven't even thought of, somebody in NXT or something like that. Who knows? Maybe the Velveteen Dream. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that out of left field. I dig it. Um, but yeah, there we go. Undertaker seventh and final. Jack reign. Gallagher. <laughs> you know, if we count women's titles uh, as world Charlotte. titles, Charlotte. You know, she's. I think she might already be there. <laughs> she's got like eleven or twelve already. She's <laughs> yeah. the greatest female champion there ever is. Ever so if will you be. count that as equal, then then there you go. There you uh, go. But, yeah, that does it for this Hell in a Cell. We'd love to hear what you thought about it. Um, give us your thoughts on kind of the uh, disappointment of it, or, or maybe you loved it. Maybe you liked having it be short and kind of surprising. Uh, we love all your feedback at Talking Taker, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, St. Ridley Santos, uh, the star of our guest episode a few weeks ago, he hit us up and said this was the fourth shortest Hell in a Cell of all time and the second Ooh. shortest ever on pay-per-view. So that can not be a trivia question. Point, though, right? uh, yeah, probably not. I think he means now, the, now. Okay. I'll say up to this point, I think this has got to be the shortest or if not like a dark match or something. But yeah. Okay. So the fourth shortest of all time at this point, like for, for 2020. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, watch along Tommy at watch along wrestling or at watch along Tommy watch along wrestling. He actually was at this show, Travis went what? to it for his birthday. Um, he said, I Tommy. remember my friends and I being so excited for punk and taker two all time favorites in our favorite mm-hmm. type of match. And then it opened the show and was over in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so he was so deflated. This was really the only match they cared about all night. Oh man. That stinks. He said, you know, it was hard to keep my friends interested for the rest of the show because Cena and Orton had wrestled a million times and you knew DX was going to destroy Legacy. But his only solace was thinking, this was probably my last chance to see Undertaker live 11 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to retire uh, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, probably it, guys. we got to go see him now. 11 years later, he's yep. still wrestling. That's like going to a festival, like your favorite band's playing at or something, and then like they just go on first and they play for like twenty minutes oh, instead of like, like closing out the show. It's like going to see Rolling yeah. Stones like ten years ago, thinking, "All right, this this got to be it," and they're still playing in twenty twenty. <laughs> oh, I just mean like seeing your favorite, like your favorite wrestlers, they oh, just yeah. open the show and it's right. done in ten minutes. But yeah, you're right, seeing seeing the Stones. We're seeing Garth Brooks. Remember when Garth Brooks came back like a decade ago? It was like, this is it. This is the last ride tour or whatever. Like, I'm not doing any more. And, like, everybody bought tickets. And then he's still touring now. So, yeah. One of my favorite live concerts I've ever been to, Garth Brooks. Well, <laughs> I never incredible. saw him. I didn't, I didn't see him 10 years ago. Oh, well, he's I doing. I never get a chance to see him again. And now he's still touring. So He's doing a live streaming show to drive-in theaters across the country that you can go to for $100 per car. So there wow. you go, take okay. the whole family. All right. I just might. I won't, but I just might. <laughs> <laughs> um, Princeton John at Princeton John 2, he 
uh, reminded us of something that I, that I sort of vaguely remember. Said there was a rumor that something happened between Punk and Taker at this time at a live event where Taker confronted Punk about dressing better backstage when he's the world champ. And Punk said, what about John Cena? He doesn't – he dresses <laughs> like this. And, George. Uh, Apparently there was some heat between them. That may have been why this match was so short, why this feud ended, why Taker lost the title. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I kind of remember reading that back in the day. Who knows how much truth there is to it? Yeah, could explain some things, but uh, I don't know. Just something, something to think about. It's the rumors are out there. Who knows how much truth there is to it? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of that is true, and the rest is makes for a good story. You know, who cares? It is what it is. It's a fun <laughs> story. Think about, but did you see the mean Mark Callis T-shirt that's now available on WWEshop.com? Are you freaking kidding me? I am not. What? <laughs> it's got our t puts our T-shirts to shame. <laughs> oh my. Me, Mark Callis t-shirt on there. I might have to buy a wrestling shirt. First they, time in they have a 20 new, years. Uh, it's called the Rookie Collection. So they have a oh, Ringmaster shirt, an Isaac Yankum shirt, a Terra Rising, a Sexton Hardcastle. Oh. And like, it's got pictures of all those guys in those gimmicks on the shirt. Oh, man. That's it's pretty awesome. Great. It's pretty great. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. And... Oh, yeah, WWE Twitter, they posted this top 10 video of Undertaker's rarest matches. Did you see this? I did, and we've covered uh, eight out of the 10, I think, already on this show. Well, (laughs) half of them were like WrestleMania matches. (laughs) The Undertaker and the Underfaker, Kamala versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Is that really rare? I don't know, man. I think it's rarest opponent because they only fought one time, maybe. But like Kamala, he feuded the whole year with Kamala. Yes, it's on like every Undertaker VHS tape from that time. Yeah, he heard it over and over again. The Jomo match at Tribute to the Troops. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, that one was rare. Bray Wyatt is rare because they only fought one time. That's it. Um, But it was at WrestleMania. I I wouldn't call that rare. Uh, It's unique. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, I I would call something like on a. Is like the Matt Hardy on the first episode of Superstars. That's a rare match people haven't seen before. Yeah, I think they meant rarest opponents. They just said rarest matches. But it's, yeah, it is what it is. Well, uh, I was like, I don't know. I, I think they're dumb. Them putting Triple H. Like, <laughs> it's him and Triple H at WrestleMania 17 because that's one that no one talks about anymore. They, that's true. They don't actually talk <laughs> yeah, about that. That's a rare match. So. But, yeah, it was weird. Well, forget all that. Go follow the uh, Mongo and the Ming and the uh, um, what's that, Rick Rude. Go follow all those Twitter accounts. Yes. <laughs> those are winning Twitter right now, much more than WWE. They're, they're the highlights of my day. Oh, absolutely. They're fantastic. <laughs> and you were mentioning to me last night that we you wish they would do an Ahmed Johnson one. Mm. So. Please, somebody do it. I wish I had the time to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great uh but uh go enjoy all that and of course go uh follow us go leave a rating go subscribe leave a comment pick up uh, some merch over at tpublic.com uh i mean i can't 
I can't fault you if you pick up the Mean Mark shirt, but if you got anything else left in your pockets, go pick up a Talkie Taker shirt or something like that. And join us next week as we keep this podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride. Here's a rare one, I think, because I totally have never seen this and forgot it existed. We're going to go to Bragging Rights 2009, our third new pay-per-view concept in a row, and a fatal four-way match with The Undertaker defending the world title against CM Punk, Batista, and... Uh, <laughs> wait. Chris Jericho? Is it Chris Jericho? Yeah. Okay, I've... I see, I forgot. That's how rare it is. Exactly. I've never seen that match, but that'll be in two weeks, I think. No, it's not Chris Jericho. It's Rey Mysterio. I thought you said Rey Mysterio. I don't know. CM Punk, Rey Mysterio, and Batista and The Undertaker. Oh, okay. Who the heck is Jericho? I don't know. Never mind. He's in the bragging rights match, I believe. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, that'll be be two weeks because next week we're going to cover the special last ride edition aren't we oh excuse me yes 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 thank you thank you thank you thank you for correcting me yes well we had discussed it and i said i wasn't sure and then i said yes let's do it yes we went back and forth but next week's our 150th episode uh historic a milestone year and it it just perfect timing the final episode of the last ride is going to come out this sunday so we're going to watch that and we're going to devote an entire edition of the podcast to discussing in depth this limited series the most uh groundbreaking the most historic the most eye-opening um informative series ever to talk about the undertaker's career so we're going to talk about our favorite moments from it what we've learned from it what stood out to us from it any lingering questions we have on there so that'll be next week two weeks we'll get to bragging rights and uh, we'll talk about that fatal four-way match uh so uh something a little bit different uh, but hope you guys will enjoy it if you've been enjoying this last ride series as much as we have uh we'll try to make it a very special edition for you and uh thanks everybody for sitting to this episode um i know we had some technical difficulties hopefully uh, the sound quality is not too bad. Um, just have had terrible Wi-Fi issues at my house. I don't know what's been going on. Me too. On. I don't know what's going on. Uh, we're going to try to get that all cleared up by next week. But hopefully, um, yeah, I know the first episode, part of this episode is a little bit choppy, but hopefully uh, we made it work for you. Thanks for sitting through that, folks. Choppy, choppy. Yeah. <laughs> if you were there in Newark, New Jersey on October 4th, 2009, let us know. We've already heard from one of you. If you were... If others of you were also there, let us know what you thought. Were you bummed this match went on first and only lasted, you know, the same length as Undertaker's entrance? Um, you know, what do you think about the Hell in Cell pay-per-view concepts? Let us know what you think. And again, get ready for next week because, like I said, we're going to – we've really got gifted. Uh, some, we've really been gifted some timing issues with regards to our, pay, our, our, our you know, podcast episode numbers and special dates and stuff like that. So we just really – Coincided with the special 150, coincides with the last episode of The Last Rise. We're going to go ahead and cover that for you guys next week. And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen out there, stay safe. And most importantly, take her easy. You know I'm ready for it. I'm ready to step it up. I'm ready to take it next level. Ready to step it up? Ready to step it up? Ready to step it up?
it up, dog. All right. Step it up, dog. All right. Step it up. Come on. Step up. Take care of that. Take care. Right chill. Right chill. Step it up. I got this. Oh, oh, I got this. Dog, I got this. Hey, 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 hey. I got this. I got this. Come on, man. He's gonna fall out on his face, man. Come on, man. You know you're gonna fall on his face. You're gonna lose. You know what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. Are you doing it? Ten to one. He don't do it. You know. You know why? Because it's so much fun. Yo, 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 yo. I represented and I gave these dog. What's up? Oh, now? you snapped. That's right. That's right. That's a SmackDown DVD. Oh, I like that. Fresh off the rack. Yo, I didn't hear that. That ain't bootleg or nothing, dog. That's for real. You know what? Check it. I put you on the sun on the street. We put you on it. Is. There's a time to talk. Yeah. There's a time to fight. Yeah. Who in the hell did this? Um, and, and there's a time to run. Yeah. Peace out. Hey, hey, where y'all going, man? I want to roll with y'all. Excuse me. Did you just go inside there and deface my office? Yeah, I did it. It was the J jump. It was the slam to the master. It was the slam master J. What you gonna do about it, Teddy? You gonna call the popo? No, but I'm gonna take your confused body to the ring. You got a match tonight. Against who? Well, I guess you're gonna have to wait and find out.